Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Pack on, shouldn't I? There we go. Yeah, so, so some of you were hearing Pastor Danny Dose, and you're like, we have more than one Danny around here? Yes, we do. I am uh, Pastor Danny Price. I'm the associate pastor for life groups um, and also for pastoral care. I am uh, privileged to be with you for the next 35 minutes or so. Um, and I want to say thank you to Pastor Danny, who is, this is his sacred, like the sacred space he's been called to protect right here as we deliver God's word. And so um, for him to trust me with it means a lot. And I really appreciate that from him today. We are in the middle of a series called Summer on the Mount. And so we are spending this summer looking at the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus' like most famous sermon that would determine and would show how we were supposed to live our lives, right? Like this is how this is supposed to go. What we find is this sermon um, is in some ways designed to wreck us like a sledgehammer, okay? I'm going to tell you this morning, it's going to hurt. It's like, not like, well, not like I got a paper cut hurt, but like I had to go to the dentist and get something taken care of hurt, okay? This is one of those moments Pastor Danny has had at the last couple of weeks where he's like, oh, this is so much fun. That's kind of what this week has been for me these last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this message. Um, it has been a um, blast and at the same time, um, like a blast inside my soul. <laughs> so as we get into the Sermon on the Mount this morning, um, I just want you to know, I think one of the things that God does for us is he allows us to see things like this so that we can begin to examine our souls, okay? I took a look at, at, at my soul over the last couple of weeks, and I realized that my heart is more like a hoarder's house. Does anybody watch hoarders? Anybody like, anybody like the TV show hoarders, right? Like I've got like stacks of pride right here, and then over here I've got like these stacks of arrogance that God wants to deal with, and I'm like, oh, that's what you're going to do. You're going to, it's like, you know, stacks of newspaper and God wants to burn them up, you know, and you're like, for those of us who like to play with fire, when we get burned, it hurts. <laughs> I know we've got fireworks on Tuesday, right? <laughs> like that's a big deal for a lot of us. Um, and so when we look at God's word, it should confront us and it should really kind of in some ways um, get messy in our lives. It should tear us apart. Hebrews 4.12 says this, it says... That for whatever God says to us is full of living power. It's sharper than the sharpest dagger, cutting swift and deep into our innermost thoughts and desires with all their parts, exposing us for what we really are. Like, that sounds like a whole lot of fun, doesn't it? Right? I mean, don't get me wrong. I've got my knife this morning. Like, we all have our knives around here, right? <laughs> I've got mine. <laughs> okay? But this is the part that gets exposing me for what I really am. That's the part that gets a little, okay, are you sure, Jesus? Are you sure that's what you want? So here's the thing. During last week's sermon, Pastor Danny laid out a thought about the Sermon on the Mount statements. He would say something like Jesus would say, he said that Jesus would say something like, you've heard it said, blah, 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 blah. I've never said blah, blah, blah. Yeah, like Adam Sandler lives free in my head, like they're rent-free in my head from Hotel Transylvania, you know. Um, that joke went over much louder the first couple services. Come on, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> no, seriously, I realize that Jesus made these statements, and you're like, he says, don't commit murder. You've heard it said, don't commit murder, but I'll tell you, 
that even if you let your unrighteous anger linger against your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus wanted to reveal, he wanted the commandments. You know, Pastor Danny talked about how we had the, that Jesus fulfilled the commandments and that was the ceremonial law and all that kind of stuff. And the moral law, we're still kind of obligated. We're obligated to follow. I say still, we're obligated to follow like don't murder. Okay, anybody, anybody wanted to commit murder this week? Anybody drive on 410 or 1604 or 151? Anybody, you know, anybody get cut off and think, you know, come on, come on. You know you did. You know you did, because I know I did, right? I did. So Jesus would go off on these topics like anger and adultery. In the preceding passage, the passage right before what we're going to talk about today, Jesus would go off on these topics like anger and adultery and oaths and revenge. Anybody want to take revenge lately? Okay. He would take them, and then he would make them just a little bit deeper. He would say, you've heard it said, don't take an oath. But let your yes be a simple yes and your no be a simple no so that people can believe you, right? Like don't, don't, don't make this some big thing that you have to do, but make it simple where, the, where your yes is yes and your no is no, okay? He would go even a step further. He would say, you've heard it said, don't take an eye for an eye. You've heard it said, take an eye for an eye. But I tell you, if somebody slaps you on the cheek, go ahead and give them the other one. And every one of us look at Jesus and say, really? Like somebody wants to punch you in the face. And Jesus is like, let them punch you twice. And I'm like, seriously? I don't think so, right? Like that's where, like this sermon is designed to confront us at who we are in our basics and then cause us to live by that. One of our team values around here is go the extra mile. Well, that comes from this passage, right? Roman soldiers were allowed to compel people to carry their packs for one mile. And Jesus said, don't just go one mile, go two. And I'm like, what is this, I'm as run? <laughs> what is this, a 5K? Right, so I'm gonna put in a plug. If you haven't signed up for I Must Run, go ahead and sign up now. And we're gonna start a small group in the fall called Couch to 5K, and we'll have you ready to run that. We'll have you ready to run that 5K. Okay, but seriously, Jesus says, like, go the extra mile. Don't just go one, go two. And we're all like, are you, are you, like, are you sure? Jesus, are you sure that's what you said? Did I hear you right? Like, people are hearing Jesus make these statements, and I'm sure they're like, this is better? Like, you're saying this, you've heard it said, but this is better. See, here's the thing. I think Jesus was trying to get at something. And in the Old Testament, there are three times where the phrase heart of stone are used, where God says he's trying to take and take a heart of stone and transplant it with a heart of flesh. And then it's once again used in the New Testament to describe what I think Jesus is trying to do in the Sermon on the Mount. I think he's trying to take a sledgehammer to that heart that like is, is, is like hard and put something soft in its place. He wants us to, to have this heart because it's what God would want for us, right? However, if you are anything like me, you're going to insist on keeping your old heart. 
I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to be transparent up here today. I hope you guys are okay with that. This is not group therapy, I promise. Okay? We insist on sticking to our old ways. Why? Because they feel good, right? When I drive on 410 and I shake my fist at the driver and I tell them, may God bless you with the ticket you so richly deserve. (laughs) Right? That's not what God would want me to bless them with, but... Like, that's a little bit of justice. See, we resist Jesus' intention to give us a living, breathing heart that can see the ideal of what Jesus is getting at and accept the God's grace so that we can live it out. See, when we choose that, when we choose to live the way Jesus is wanting us to live in the Sermon on the Mount, we see people who are far from God see what's going on in our lives, and want to get closer to God. But when we don't, we see the opposite. How many times have you heard, I don't want to go to church whenever you invite someone. I don't want to go to church because it's just full of hypocrites. Right? So that's what we're going to talk about. I did tell you all this was going to hurt today, right? <laughs> that's what we're going to talk We're going to talk about hypocrisy today. Yay! <laughs> Right? We're going to talk about what does it look like to live without hypocrisy. See, here's the thing. I think Jesus is getting at, in this, in this passage, Jesus is, he is confronting the Pharisees, who were the religious, some of the religious leaders of the day. They were the teachers of the law, right? So he's getting at this group of people, and he, he's already told the disciples, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness surpasses the righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Like just, like just two passages earlier, two sets of scripture earlier. You know, you got those little dividers in your, in your Bible. Just a couple passages like that earlier. Still in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes that statement. And here's the thing. I think what Jesus is getting at is not that their righteousness is going to get them into heaven, but unless you have something better than that, you aren't getting there. You aren't going to inherit the kingdom of heaven if you don't live in a way that's better than what they're living. See, I think what happened was the Pharisees had changed out what they were thinking and seeing for a checklist. Right? Where are, my che- where, are my, where are my dopamine fiends who get it from checking that list? Where, where's my to-do list people? Raise your hand, loud and proud today. Right? You get a dopamine hit from doing your checklist, whether it's at work or you're like me and it's because you're a gamer. Okay? I have a quest that I've been working on in Destiny 2 for a little bit. Okay? <laughs> or you're a hunter. Like, All right, I know y'all hunters out there, y'all have already sighted in your scope and you're getting ready for the first weekend in November, right? Amen, right? Like you're going after that deer so that you can get us all some deer sausage, okay? (laughs) Okay, see, here's the thing, whether you're that or your mom, right? Moms make sure that the diapers get in the bag. Why do dads not do that? Because we don't wanna change them. One's enough. Right? I'll make sure the formula's in, but I'm not putting that diaper in there. (laughs) Right? We all have checklists. And see, the Pharisees were the expert of checklists when it came to what God wanted them to do. Last week, Pastor Danny told us about the 613 check marks that they had 
this list of 613 laws that they had created, that they had developed over time to protect and make sure that the original, the moral law, the original 10 were followed. Okay, and so because I've heard about this all my life and I'm one of those guys who gets a little bit of ADD and thinks, man, I wonder what that really looked like. I decided to go look up that list of 613 laws. Anybody else like that? All right, for those of you who are, let me give you a few of them and let's see if you would agree with them or not. All right, so I'm gonna go ahead and give you the first four. And here's the other part. They not only, they not only came up with this list, they had a scripture to back every one of them up. Right? That's something I would do. Like, this is what God told me, and here's the scripture that he told me this in. Right? Like, that's something I would do. So, the first four are, number one, to know, to know there is a God. Exodus 20, verse 2. There is a God. Okay, I can agree with that, right? Number two, to have no other gods before me. Exodus 20, verse 3. To know that he is one right? We talk about the Trinity, three and one. I can, I can grab that. Deuteronomy 6.4 is where they're bringing it from. Number four, to love God. Deuteronomy 6.5. Anybody have a problem with those so far? No, right? Like we're all on it, okay? So here's one that I think that, like this is number 85. And I think for those of you who get into the middle of your lunch and you're like, oh, we forgot to pray. Number 85, bless God after meals. Just do it after, right? Deuteronomy 8.10, who hasn't forgot to pray? Like they had it covered. See, here's another one. Number 239, not to reap, number 239 is not to reap your harvest to the edge of the field, but to leave a corner uncut for the poor. I, that makes sense, right? Like that's what God was doing. Like God told them in the Old Testament, it came out of Leviticus 19.10. Number 467, I love this one, not to steal money stealthily. So I guess bank robberies during the day are okay, but don't break in after dark. <laughs> right? That's from Leviticus 19.11, right? I'm like, I'm breaking after dark. I'm not going during the day because I get caught, <laughs> right? See, here's the deal. Over and over, the laws that they implemented were designed to protect the people, they were designed to keep them from breaking the moral law. See, they had, put these, they had put these laws in place without any regard for what that does to the heart. Creating a checklist, when you have a checklist of if I fulfill these things, what happens? We lose the plot and we become self-righteous in ourselves. I've done these things, therefore, I'm a good person. See, this is one of those things that I think is interesting because, like, these checklists are used everywhere. Like, like, how many people have seen, like, their favorite car in a new color, and you're like, oh, man, I need that, right? Marketers use checklists. Everybody uses check checklists. So the Pharisees, when they came up with this checklist, they were like, we're going to be safe. And here's the thing. Why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't they come up with a checklist? The Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, is dedicated to telling the story of the children of Israel and how God chose to, to through this people, that he would send Jesus. And over and over, there's these stories about the Israelites, okay, we're going to serve God for a little bit, and then we're going to depart. We're going to serve God for a little bit, and then we're going to stop. 
And over and over, we would hear these stories of kings. That's where I'm at in my, in my um, daily Bible reading. We're reading part of what's going on in First and Second in First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And the refrain that keeps coming over is, this king didn't know or didn't follow God like his father David, and he ends up doing all these bad things. And then there comes a point in their history where the Assyrians come in and they crush the, the northern, so the, so the kingdoms divide, and they crush the northern kingdom, and nine and a half tribes are completely destroyed. And then because one of the tribes was spread out amongst all 12 in the bottom, in the, in the south, the southern kingdom, in that kingdom, two and a half tribes are attacked by Babylon and are carried away. And all of them because they didn't listen to who God was and who he is and what he was asking them to do. See, the Pharisees would hear passages at the end of like Deuteronomy where Moses is saying, listen, you have choose life or death, choose blessing or cursing, Right? And, they, and, and if you follow God, you'll be blessed. And if you don't, this is what Deuteronomy 28, 15 9, through 19 tells them. But if you ignore the Lord your God and are not careful to keep all his commandments and statutes I'm giving you today, then all these curses will come upon you in full force. You'll be cursed in the city and cursed in the field. Your basket and your mixing bowl will be cursed. Your children will be cursed, as well as the produce of your soil, the calves of your herd, and the lambs of your flock. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And who wants that? Nobody, right? So the Pharisees come up with this list, and that makes sense to me. I probably would have been a Pharisee. I'm just being, I'm being real today. I would have been a Pharisee. But here's the thing. While they come up with these laws to protect, Jesus shows up, and what is he trying to do? While the Pharisees wanted to protect people, Jesus was trying to transform people. He was trying to take them from this place and bring them to a place where they could reflect what God was trying to do. See, Jesus shows up, and he begins to teach and wants to move people to a heart of flesh. That time, see those three times that it's spoken about in the Old Testament, that people would be taken, the heart of flesh would be taken, and a heart, or the heart of stone would be taken and a heart of flesh would be given. Those three times specifically are in prophetic books where it's referring to a future moment. They show up, those times show up in a moment where it's talking about what God wants to do to his people. So these phrases like Deuteronomy 28, those things were designed to help a people with a heart of stone try to live within the context of what God was doing. It was, it was because God knew those people had a heart of stone and he wanted to move them. He wanted to give them a way to get to where the Messiah would show up and Jesus would replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh. That's why the law said this, but Jesus said, you've heard this. Because it sounds, right, it sounds like Jesus is doing the same thing the Pharisees are doing. Like they built these laws to protect people. But what Jesus is saying is, listen, you've heard it said this, but if you'll follow me, this is the heart of what will happen when you have a heart of flesh. This is what changes inside of people so that you can experience a life of abundance. See, Jesus wants to restore an evaluation of the intentions of our heart 
to what's going on, to the actions that we do. He wants us to evaluate, why do we do this? Why do we do this and, and we, we, why do we do these things? So he picked three things that were close to what the Pharisees were saying or the Pharisees enjoyed doing or the Pharisees had listed in that they would do. And then Jesus tells them this. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your father. So Jesus, in his masterful way, addresses the three things that were closest to the Pharisee's heart. He addresses the giving to the needy. He addresses prayer. And he addresses fasting. Now, here's the thing. Jesus never once says... If you fast, or if you pray, or if you give, that verse in Matthew, in Matthew 6, 1 says, be careful not to practice these things in, in front of, in, to be seen by others. Jesus fully expects that we're going to do these things. He fully expects that we're going to give to the needy. He fully expects that we're going to go to serve day. Right? In, the, in, the, in the, um, the, the commercials for today, we talked about how we have a serve day every month. Jesus fully expects that you're going to go to serve day or that you're going to participate in serve day. He just says, don't do it in a way that people are going to see to be seen by people. So Jesus says we still should give to the needy, right? So, so in Matthew 6, 2, Jesus says this. He says, so when you give, not if you give, but when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. And here's the thing, this, this phrasing of the hypocrites in the synagogue, the Pharisees would have known he was talking directly to them or to rocking, talking directly about them. So don't announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Like Jesus expects them to give, but not to give like everybody else. Not to give where people would see them and would laud them. Where people would look and say, oh man, Danny, you did such a great job. Here's the thing. He says the same thing about prayer. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Once again, that same phrasing. Don't be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray while standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. I did say this was going to hurt today, right? <laughs> like this is, this is one of those moments. Because here's the thing. I, I, as a pastor, I get invited to pray in public. Right? My kid plays football. I'm probably going to get invited at some point to pray in front, at the beginning of a game. Jesus is not saying, don't go pray at that game. That's not what's being said here. He's saying, when that moment comes, don't go up there and try and make yourself famous. Oh, Danny's so holy. Man, that prayer that he prayed. Right? Like, like even that sounds a little ridiculous, doesn't it? Here's the next thing. Jesus says, when you fast. When you fast. Don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Part of me is a little ADD enough to read this and think, man, what did they do to mess up their face? 
Like, what did it take for people to, like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I know I have a face, and I know that my wife thinks this face is handsome, and it doesn't matter if anybody else does, okay? But there's this part of me that's like, bro, what did you do to mess up your face that people would know you were fasting? Right? Jesus, so in between this statement and the previous statement, there's all sorts of good stuff. And here's the deal. We're going to talk about what it means to, be, to not be a hypocrite and to not. But there are things that I don't want you to miss. So go home and read this Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Because that's where Jesus gives the, he gives the Lord's Prayer. There's lots of great stuff in this passage. If you are getting our daily devotionals, that's part of what's going on. We have, our, um, we have a devotional that we put together for this sermon series. Um, that we send out by email, um, that, that QR code that was up there earlier. If you've connected with us, you should be getting it in your daily email. Let me, okay, so I'm going to give you guys, I forgot to do this last service, but here's the thing. We've actually made some paper versions of them out at the Next Step Central. If you aren't as digital as some of the rest of us are, um, like, like I, I prefer mine in a digital format, but if you prefer a paper format and want something that you can hold in your hand, there are some at the Next Step Central. And when we run out, we run out. So Jesus says all of this stuff. He fully expected them to do these things. He did not expect them to, like, he, he fully expected to do them. But here's the thing. He expected them to experience the grace of God that allows, as they do these things, that they would be able to point people back to God, not to themselves. Right? How many times do I do something that is self-promoting or makes me feel good or, like, I post it? on social media because I want people to look at me and say, man, you did a great job. That's what Jesus is getting at in this passage. That's what he's trying to correct in people's lives is this need for self-promotion. He wants them to learn to live in God's grace and to live out that real, to live out this ideal in the realness of our life. And he wants them to do it in a way that points people back to the Father. So let me define hypocrisy for us just a little bit this morning. Hypocrisy is when someone lives in the fake ideal instead of God's grace of the real. Okay? Hypocrisy is when we live in this fakeness. We put up this idea of this is who I am. Instead of being real with people and realizing that God's grace has to, has to, like, I have to share the grace that God is giving me for the things that I don't do that match up here. And that's what I think we get a bad rap as Christians about. People look at us and we've put up a facade instead of telling the truth. Or here's the other thing. I'll use this, I'll use this ideal that I live in. I'll use it to judge other people. See, Jesus tells this story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. He gets into this place where Jesus decides he's going to tell his disciples. It's in Luke chapter 18, so it's probably after this sermon has already been preached. And Jesus goes to, the, like he goes to this story, and he tells them about a Pharisee and a tax collector who went to the temple together. So, so stop me if you've heard this one. Two guys walk into the synagogue. <laughs> The first one is a tax collector. The second one is a Pharisee. Okay? And so let's talk about the second one first. He goes in wearing his best, standing up straight, looking as handsome as he possibly can. 
Probably because like one of those 600 and something is to work out, so he's probably worked out enough, right? And he does the three things. He talks about the three things that they value. And here's the thing. Here's how he goes about judging people. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people is the beginning of his prayer. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, gamers. Oh, wait, that's me. (laughs) And then here's the deal. In full view and as loud as he possibly can, we know this because he points and says, even this tax collector over here. Think about that for just a second. Would you have that kind of pride or arrogance? I probably have a few times when I've judged people, right? God, thank you for not making me like them. Thank you that you haven't made me like them. Right? So then he goes on in verse 12. Jesus says that the the Pharisee goes on and says this, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. So here we've covered, the Pharisee covers all three of the things that Jesus talks about. He gives a tenth. He gives to the needy. He fasts twice a week, not just once, because you've got to make sure, right? And then, and then he was going to pray. So everything is covered in this passage. And then Jesus says that there's the tax collector over here, right? There's this guy who's the tax collector. And what does the tax collector say? Like it says that he came in and that he was like, he was struggling, ripping off clothes. And he says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. No judgment, no anything else. Just this deep need to be with God. And Jesus says, when you see these two, who do you think was heard by God? And of course, his disciples are like, not the first guy, right? Like we're all like, not the first guy. But I'll tell you right now, I know there are moments in my life when I'm like the first guy. When I'm satisfied with myself or I'm happy with myself or I'm hoping that others look at me and see, man, I'm so glad that that Danny's around. Jesus, think about this. Jesus tells the disciples that the Pharisees boasting destroyed everything that he had done that was good. Like this guy, this guy says, I did all these good things. I did all these good things. I, I gave, I fasted, I did all these things. And what does he say? Jesus says that God didn't even hear him. All of the good things he did because he was intentional in making himself famous and not God, he destroyed the good he did. See, I... I I think Jesus wants to challenge our perspective. You know, Jesus doesn't say, don't let your good works shine before men. He says, let your good works shine before men so that they see your father. Through you, they see your father and they glorify him. Right? The things you do should anonymously be credited to God. They should never see you, but they should see you. They should see through you to the father. 
There's a verse in the Old Testament in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8. It says this. It says, yes, Lord, walking in the way of, the, of, your, of your law, your truth, we eagerly wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. When we look at this and we say, God, your renown, we want to make you famous. We want you to be famous because of our lives. When we choose this way, this is what Jesus says is important. This is how he says, this is how Jesus say, says that we should live. Here's the thing. There are many roads to get to hypocrisy. I'm going to list a few of them. First is FOMO. Anybody got that fear of missing out? <laughs> right? I'm so afraid of missing out that I'm going to act like I haven't missed out. The idealization of events in our life. We're so hurt or wounded or scarred that we don't want to say this event actually hurt us. So we make it better than it actually was. The fear of hurting somebody else's feelings. So I'm going to be a little fake and not really tell them the truth. Or the fear of transparency with God. Like think about that for just a second. Adam and Eve in the garden, it says that they hid from God. Let me let you in on a little secret. God already knows. <laughs> so you being transparent is not about God, but about you. God, I know that you know that I know that you know, right? Like that kind of statement. Because what does God do? God's going to come find Adam and Eve anyway. He's not going to let them hide. Here's one that I think I struggle with a lot. The fear of freedom. Like sometimes I like the checklist, right? I like how the checklist feels. But even more than that, I don't, I, the mess I know is sometimes better than the freedom I don't know. So a couple of years ago, I tore my ACL and um, I did a bunch of stuff to my knee. Like I tore it up. It wasn't just like I tore the ACL. I tore the meniscus. My, my, uh, like my femur fractured my tibial plateau. I messed my knee up. That's being old and jumping fences. We don't do those things when we get old. Okay? We don't do those things when we get old. And I, they put me on crutches for like 12 weeks. And I remember at the end of 12 weeks, I was so afraid to get off of my crutches. First off, it made it easier for me to get around, and I was afraid of tearing something else up. But even more than that, it made it look like I still needed them. Like nobody was going to ask me to pick something up or carry something as long as I had those crutches. Right? Especially my therapist. <laughs> right? My therapist who's like, if you just do these things, you'll get better. But I need these crutches. Sometimes that fear of freedom is like a crutch. That we're so afraid of being free that we'd rather kind of hold on to that little thing that keeps us in bondage. See, here's the deal. The, the antidote to hypocrisy will always be the transplantation of a, of a, fl a flesh-living heart for a stone heart. It will always be Jesus changing and transforming our heart from stone to living flesh. It will always be this thing that God allows us to work with him and be with him and be in intimate with him. 
So the question I'm going to ask you today is, are you making God famous or are you making yourself famous? And here's the thing. I want to give you a couple things that you can do today to, 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 to change that in your life. Number one, you start every day by recognizing this is not about me. It's about God. Okay, so first when you wake up and you open your eyes and you're like, oh, this is about God today. I'm going to live my life like it's about God. But here's the second part. I'm going to say you need to verbalize that. Because often what happens is I think one thing and I do another, right? So verbalizing it puts me on the path of saying, of saying just that. Today is God's day and about what God wants to do with my life. Whether it's giving, whether it's prayer, whether it's fasting, no matter what I'm in the middle of, God wants to do something through me so that he can be famous. Third, I would say you need to internalize this. And this is a daily thing, but it's also a da- it gives you something to recite daily. So a great idea would be to memorize Isaiah 26, 8. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I've taken, some, I've taken a bunch of translations, and I've put it together to my translation. Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your truth, I eagerly wait for you. Your name and your renown, that's the cry of my heart. So memorizing Isaiah 26, 8 and making it my daily statement. And then finally, here's the thing. And this is an in the fall thing. We are in the process of getting ready for the fall. We're in the summer. We're finishing up our summer small groups. And we're getting ready to go into the fall. And here's the thing. If you lack freedom, I want to address that that last one specifically. If you realize that you aren't free from something, we have a life group. And you know what we call it? Freedom. I know, it's hard to find whenever you go to the directory. If you realize you lack freedom, this fall when in September, when we do freedom, come join us in one of those freedom groups. You will find that you can live in a way that allows you to honor and to project God to people who are far from him and need to be close to him, that he wants close to him because you're free. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, today we recognize that sometimes we don't live with your, with, God, we don't live with your best interests at heart. We live in a way that makes us famous and allows our best interests to be fulfilled. So today, Father, today, here in this place, God, I pray that everybody that is in this room would make a commitment. First, for those who don't, who don't already follow you, they would choose to follow you. But then for those of us who do, that we would make a commitment that people wouldn't look at us and say, man, they live a fake ideal. God, they would look at us and say, man, their God is a God who can give grace when they are really living it out when they are in the midst of things and they are living it out. God, we thank you that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance and it's not you hitting us over the head, but in moments like this where you say, I want you to live differently. When Jesus said, this is the way you would live. So today we ask you to help us take it and idealize it in our lives and make the real come out of us as your grace shows others who you really are. 
God, we thank you for these things, and we ask you to do them in Jesus' name and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for God this morning? What an amazing Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.